It was a tough loss for BYU on Saturday, coming up short against Oklahoma. What to make it after a rewatch of the film? There's a lot, I think, to break down. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about a new commit to the BYU football program, Blake Lowe out of California. What does he bring to the Cougars? We're talking about all of it on Locked on Cougars. You are Locked on Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, we are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU, and today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with our friends at FanDuel. And right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Simply put, that's a $150 if your team wins. Simple as that. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started with that today. All right, let's dive right in on today's show. And as we do on Mondays, actually you're getting uh, down to the tail end of these, but on Mondays during the football season, we do our film review Monday. So I, I went back and rewatched the entirety of the BYU Oklahoma game, and I got to th- say it was a pretty thrilling game, all things considered. I got to give BYU credit uh, for battling like we hadn't seen him battle in a couple of weeks. Now there is the frustration factor. I guess we'll start here. There is the frustration factor. Okay, you guys can get up to play that kind of game against a 14th ranked team in the country in Oklahoma. Why couldn't you guys do that against the likes of Iowa? West Virginia, etc. Why couldn't you do that against TCU earlier this season? What caused you to, I don't know, lay an egg uh, against those other opponents? Because had BYU, I feel like, brought that same type of effort, the overall play, that type of stuff, in the last two weeks in particular leading up to the Oklahoma game, I'm speaking mainly of West Virginia as well as Iowa State, I think it's very likely BYU could be sitting there with a sixth win already this season. But alas... Uh, they're on a four-game losing streak. They're 2-6 and six in Big 12 play. They set at 5-6 and six overall on the season. They will need to win as 17-point underdogs this week from our friends over at FanDuel uh, against the Oklahoma State uh, Cowboys in Stillwater. It's going to take a, a monumental effort, similar to the one maybe even better than this past week, to beat OSU on their home turf. Because, by the way, OSU, if they beat BYU, they are going to be playing for the Big 12 championship at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. They have all the motivation that they need, and obviously BYU playing for their uh, postseason lives uh, at the same time. So we'll see how that shakes out. But uh, looking back at Oklahoma, a uh, number one thing is I actually didn't mind the morning kickoff. Now, I'm speaking for that personally. I'm also think, speaking of that, rewatching the tape. BYU didn't look groggy out of the gate like I thought that they uh, had a chance possibly to do. There have been multiple programs, and it's typically been more on the road when this has happened, that seem to be sleepwalking through the early parts of games when they kick off in the morning hours uh, of their body clock time. I felt like BYU absorbed it well, was ready for it, and went toe-to-toe with Oklahoma. Now, speaking personally, it's actually kind of fun to have the game over, have my post-game duties done, and have the sun still up. Uh, obviously, we've hit uh, standard time here along the Wasatch front, so it gets a little bit darker earlier, and it was uh, really fun to have some time to spend with family and that type of stuff, so that was one thing. Um, the other thing about this, 
we saw it from BYU and Oklahoma in this game. Now, Oklahoma did it first. It's that slow jog when a, a team subs late in a play clock. And what I mean late is like 15, maybe 20 seconds left on the play clock. The offensive team subs it in a player. And then, the obviously, by rule, the defensive team is allowed to match that. Well, Oklahoma slow played it. They'd have those guys just jogging off the field. And BYU said, okay, you want to play tit for tat with that? We'll do the exact same thing. That needs to be legislated out of the game. I don't know how you're going to fix it, but the fact that you can cause a team to burn a timeout like BYU had to at one point because the play clock was running down, because of Oklahoma's players being very slow getting off the field, which is their right under the current rule structure, you got to change that. Uh, like I said, I, I don't know that you necessarily uh, change it. Maybe you just reset the clock to like 15 seconds. Like You know, the, the referees, they push their hand up to reset the play clock. You don't probably give them the full 25 seconds, but I could see them resetting it to maybe 15 or 12 seconds just to make sure that they're allowed to get the play off without having to burn a timeout. Uh, other thing, Lavelle Edwards Stadium turf sucks. End of story, period, sentence, whatever you want to term it. Now, they did say during the broadcast, and I have also uh, talked to some people, that the grass at Lavelle Edwards Stadium is scheduled to be replaced this offseason. Does that mean they're tearing it up this week and then they're going to lay sod in the spring? I don't know, but they have plenty of time to get it right. I do think that they will have to upgrade a little bit in terms, I think, some of the drainage and that type of stuff. Uh, but the thing is, that turf, it, BYU wore new cleats, and there was still slippage. Now, not as bad as we previous against Iowa State, but it's good to hear that, that turf is going to be replaced. It does need to be replaced, and by the way, never, and I mean never, go to artificial turf, BYU. The NFL wants to essentially legislate it out of their game, so you have no reason in my mind to switch to artificial turf, and uh, everything I'm hearing is BYU has absolutely zero plans uh, to go to uh, artificial turf, AstroTurf, uh, not, not AstroTurf, uh, you know what I'm talking about, like the field turf, that's what it is. I, I just, I, From what I hear, BYU takes a lot of pride in having a natural grass playing surface, as they should, and they should continue to do it. Now, will you have to consider maybe replacing it more often? Yes, because you don't want to have the situation that you've had the past two games. But with the money that you got coming in from the Big 12, that should not be as big of an issue, it feels like. Now, it's kind of crazy to me that this field, I think it was like seven, eight years old. But the one before it was, what was it, 20, not, 28 years between uh, switching out the fields? Don't ask me the science on it. There's there's part of me that if I were to go back to college today, funny enough, I'd actually probably go and study, uh, like, landscape management with an emphasis in learning about grass and turf and that type of stuff when it comes to playing fields. I don't, it's kind of a weird uh, fascination, but uh, I, that's something I probably would study a little uh, more in college if I were given the opportunity to do college over again. All right, so it's neither here nor there. Switch it out, and hopefully, hopefully the slipping issue will uh, be a thing of the past, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, that's the number one thing. Uh, other thing, BYU's major weakness on defense remains the intermediate uh across the middle when it comes to third down, even just any down out there. Any team that wants to get a big gainer against BYU's defense right now, you run about a, a 10 to 15 yard uh, route right across the middle, whether it's an in-breaking uh, deep in, you run a, a, a post across the middle, you run a slant, you do whatever you want to do, it feels like, one of those deep slants. You put it in the middle of the field, and BYU seemingly cannot defend it. I don't care who's a linebacker, I don't care who's at safety, it has remained a major, major major issue for BYU all season long, and I would have to go back and watch all the third down plays during the season, but I would venture a large, 
large percentage of them have come on in-breaking routes across the middle of the field for BYU in that intermediate intermediate range, what I'm talking about, like 10 to 15 yards downfield. Just It's an absolute Achilles heel for BYU right now. And I don't know what it's going to take to fix that, but they've got to look at it because Oklahoma was 50% on third-down conversions in this game. Now, it's an improvement from some of the previous games for BYU defensively, but it's still way too much. you got to have teams sub-40%, and that's... <clears throat> And that's just simply how you, you've got to get that fixed. Now, I expect that Jay Hill will have better answers for this with future talent coming into the program. We'll talk about one such talent uh, here in just a little bit. Now, other things. Uh, BYU safety. Uh, Dylan Gabriel looked very, very good in that first half. And in many respects, uh, BYU is lucky in some ways that he went out of this game with that head injury. Uh, he was baiting BYU safeties and linebackers. He was he was absolutely masterful at the controls of the Oklahoma offense. And uh, it, it really was impressive to watch him do his thing because he kept baiting BYU safeties left and right, leaving guys out to dry when it came to their coverage where they think he's going and then he slings it right over the top of their head. It was really impressive and BYU said caught a break when he went out of this game. Now, a little bit of a karma thing because he was headbutting uh, guys like uh, um, Eddie Heckard earlier on in this game, and then he goes out with a head injury. That was just kind of made me chuckle a little bit because uh, any of you who know the history between the Gabriel family and BYU, uh, he's got a little extra... Say piss and vinegar when it comes to BYU. His dad, Garrett uh, Gabriel, was a quarterback for the University of Hawaii, uh, beat BYU twice, and there's essentially no love lost between the Gabriel family and Brigham Young University. Let's just leave it at that. Um, really like to see uh, Talon Alfrey out there for BYU. I'm just kind of looking at my notes here on my phone. Uh, very nice to see him back on the field. Was not perfect in his return to the field, but I got to tell you, he, there's a reason why this guy was slated to start before the season in training camp for BYU because he looked every bit the part of what BYU you has been hoping to have on the field, but it's unfortunate that he suffered that broken collarbone and has missed the vast majority of this season. It's good to see him back out there showing what he's capable of doing. Uh, he, along with the other safeties, got a little uh, too uh, eyes caught in the backfield at times, obviously in coverage, but he was very, very good, it felt like, overall for his first uh, real large uh, game action, and I really liked what I saw from him. Uh, also, BYU's defensive line, uh, they were getting pressure at times in this game. It was good to see that. And by the way, they got it at times with a three-man rush. There were other times the three-man rush did not get home but guys like Blake Magnuson I feel like need a shout out Tyler Batty continues to do his thing as well as Jackson Cravens I really was impressed with those three in particular on tape other guys had their moments but uh, I really thought those three stood out to me watching that defensive line like I said not all this was perfect because you did lose the game and you gave up 31 points but uh, that was uh, good to see that. Now, um, a couple other notes I'll get to here in just a minute. Include a couple of you have asked me, okay, Jake, why was there a 10-second runoff on that double pass BYU threw? Uh, I can explain it. I will try to make sense of it for you guys. It's a little convoluted, but we'll try to make sense of it, and we'll get to that here in just a minute. Real quick, a word on our friends. A new friend over at listening.com is an app that turns academic papers, textbooks, PDFs, websites, and even emails into audio so you can listen to them on the go. All of us uh, feel like we have have too much uh, information. It feels like to scroll through at times. Well, the best part about this is instead of sitting at a desk to read, the app frees you up so you can learn from anywhere. They're the best app in the world for listening to academic material. They can read math equations, automatically skip citations and footnotes, and can pronounce difficult technical words as well. So if you're in school learning about things, uh, this can help you out. The best part is they have one-click note-taking. Click the plus note button while listening. They put the sentence uh, you're listening in into a notepad, and you can obviously add your comments about it. Automatic chapter detection. Many students want to jump straight to the results 
or a discussion of a paper. They automatically detect where the chapters are, so you can jump around and find the information you need very quickly. They even pull out all the data tables so you can review them visually inside the app. The best part is their their users are 50% PhDs, 30% college students, and 20% working professionals. So this works for almost anybody out there. So go online and check it out. It's listening.com, my friends. They've got a great offer for you guys. Normally, their users get a two-week free trial. If you sign up uh, via our uh, website that we'll give to you here in a minute, you get an extra week free. So your first three weeks are completely free. Best of all, use that link, listening.com slash locked on, and you'll be able to get your first three weeks for free. Go ahead. Give it a try. It's usually two weeks free. You get an extra week for free by going to listening.com slash locked on, my friends. It's all courtesy of our friends over at listening.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at UCCU. Now, UCCU has been working on this for quite a while now. They have the Learn and Earn feature inside the UCCU mobile banking app that is paying your entire family to learn about money. We all want to be smarter when it comes to our finances and money overall, and they break down financial topics into fun, bite-sized educational games like quizzes and trivia. And every time a family member completes a topic, they earn points that can accrue and be redeemed for gift cards to many stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and many, many more. There's age-appropriate content for every member of the family, so you can compete against one another and track your progress on leaderboards as well and have fun along the way. It is available. Learn and Earn is available inside the UCCU mobile banking app. So you can play it anytime, anywhere. And of course, the more you learn, the excuse me, the more you play, the more you learn, and the more you learn, the more you earn. Simple as that. It's Learn and Earn, part of UCCU's award-winning Be Money Smart Youth Banking Program, helping kids, teens, and parents have fun becoming but while becoming more financially literate together. It's all courtesy of your friends at UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to jo- for joining us to all of you who are everydayers. want to remind you guys that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top stories of the day with local experts on Locked On plus our national shows covering every league across the sports uh, landscape. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel now. All right, a couple other notes before we uh, move on to other topics here, but a couple of you asked me the double pass uh, for BYU that caused the 10-second runoff uh, late in the first half. The reason why it was a 10-second runoff is because BYU, in that sequence, uh, threw two lateral passes, being backwards passes. So therefore, it was a fumble on the second pass that Jake Retzlaff fell on, and because it was not an incomplete pass, because the play uh, would have been a running clock, if that makes sense. A running play, the clock runs unless you run out of bounds. Y'all, I think, understand this. Incomplete passes stop the clock immediately because it was supposed to be a running clock and therefore not an incomplete pass uh, by rule there is a 10 second runoff there that is the reason why the call uh, was what it was the other thing uh, about this is that BYU's trick plays in this game they were sniffed out nicely by Oklahoma I don't know if BYU needs to go back to the drawing board in certain circumstances on that disguise it a little bit better but uh, it was not ideal now I I will also say this there was that review for BYU that they brought it back after Jake Retzloff was like 10 yards downfield. You can't say that was before the snap because guess what? You blew it dead in the middle of a play. I I, I don't get officiating at times. Uh, maybe they were late on uh, buzzing down. But BYU, if they ran the play, move on. 
Uh, you, you that 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 bugged me beyond uh, belief. And watching it again I was just like, what are you guys doing? You cannot do that because it cost BYU a big play there. I got to give a big shout out to BYU's tight ends and uh, fullbacks. I'm talking about Ray Paulo, Mataava Taase, as well as Isaac Rex. Maybe for the first time this season, I really felt like they got after it in the blocking. Uh, the thing about this is that BYU's offensive line has been left out to dry so many times by the fullbacks and tight ends this season. And I'm not saying the offensive line's been perfect. I mean, by no means has BYU's offensive line been perfect. They were very good in this game. Trust me. The way that BYU ran the football, you got to give a big nod to the offensive line. But a big tip of the cap also has to go to the tight ends and fullbacks. I don't know what got into it. I don't know if Steve Clark uh, just lit into him or whatever during practice last week. But for whatever reason, uh, they manned up and they got after it in the run game. It was really fun to see those guys get after it because it really keyed a lot of the big runs uh, that BYU had, especially uh, for Aiden Robbins. Uh, the pick six. Uh, it, it's a it's a it's an abysmal play because in in one play it completely reversed the fortunes. It felt like of how that game might go for BYU, and that really hurts. And obviously, a guy like Jake Retzloff is going to feel the absolute worst about it. Got to give a big tip of the cap to Jake for running over a hundred yards. It felt like to try and catch uh, uh, the, the defensive back who intercepted him, Billy Bowman Jr. He ran the entire length of the field. That was impressive. His teammates are going to see that on film and respect him even more because a lot of quarterbacks they make what they call business decisions too often on interceptions. It was good to see him try and track that guy down and maybe he had five more yards. He may have very well brought Bowman down and prevented him from scoring, but nonetheless, it was impressive. But the pick six, if you rewatch the play, it's a run-pass option. It's absolutely the the play call was an RPO. Oklahoma was uh, moving all kinds of guys around the field. Now, if you listen to Billy Bowman, our good friend, your classless, Brian, uh, put this up on Twitter. He got a, a clip of Billy Bowman talking to the media after the game. And Billy Bowman said he was supposed to blitz on that play, but he saw Cody Epps out there on the edge and said, you know what, I need to go cover him. And he felt like, in a way, Retzloff had kind of locked on to Epps and was going to throw it there. And Billy Bowman says he looked up, and the ball was right there in his hands. He's off to the races. The, the, the play, though, the way it was designed, there's a reason why it goes run, pass option. You're supposed to essentially, if you see the run, give the ball. And by the way, BYU's offensive line, who I just gave a big tip of the cap to, had a monster hole forming that would have allowed Aiden Robbins to scoot into the end zone untouched seemingly on that play. Jake Retzloff will learn from that. He is an inexperienced quarterback. I know he's played two years at junior college level, but at this level, it's a little different. The speed's different. The the coverage dis- disguise, that type of stuff, it's different. He will learn from it. It's a painful lesson to learn, especially in that circumstance, because like I said, that's a quick 14-point swing in about five seconds uh, worth of gameplay. But you'll, you, the tough part was, I understand where he was thinking and why he was thinking what he's thinking, just watching the film. But you gotta trust your running back. Reward your big man. He got you into that position, and the offensive line had blocked it up to perfection. It felt like on that play, let him waltz into the end zone and get those six points. It just—it's it, like I said, it's a tough, tough lesson to learn. And Jake Retzloff will learn from it. And I look forward to uh, seeing better days ahead from that young man because he shows a lot of gumption, a lot of grit, a lot of moxie, and just an, a really nice arm. He's got the fastball when he needs it. He can lay it in there nicely over the top as well. I really like the arm talent uh, that Retzloff is flashing right now. I will remain. A couple of you on the YouTube comments said you you go back to Retz, uh, you'd go back to Slovis, no doubt about it. 
I would stick with Retzloff this week against Oklahoma State. I think you're trying to get as good a look as you can at him as a quarterback going into next year. Now, out of the three games, is a pretty good sample size. But at this point, his running ability opens up so much of BYU's offense. Why would you change it out now? I, I just don't know. Uh, late in this game, BYU had a... Sh- I had a really tough time slowing down Oklahoma's running attack. That allowed them to salt this game away. The thing is, though, it's the same counterplay that West Virginia, Iowa State, on down the list, have killed BYU with all season long. BYU's, uh, I call them fill players, essentially on a, on a counter, you're leaving one or two guys on the edge, on the backside of the play where the play's actually go- designed to go to, uh, uncovered or unblocked, where you have two polling linemen or maybe a fullback coming across to block those guys. The inability of BYU you, whoever it was, defensive ends, linebackers, and even safeties at times, to fill that hole adequately, take on or uh, dodge that block, killed them late in this game. I don't know why Oklahoma didn't go to it earlier in this game. I don't know if BYU had just gotten worn out, but late in this game, you've got to hold up better against the run than they did. And essentially, I heard um, the broadcast crew, it was uh, Mark Jones as well as... um, I'm forgetting the other gentleman's name. Uh, But they pointed out that it's counter left. It's counter right. It's counter left. They're just running the same play. It's the same exact play design. But when it ain't broke, you don't fix it. You keep going back to that well. And that's exactly what Oklahoma did. And it helped them salt that game away and get the win. Uh, By the way, Mark Jones, I got to give him credit. His thesaurus, excuse me, his ability to use different words during his broadcast, that was pretty fun. Like I said, I was at the game watching it live. So I didn't hear the TV broadcast, but watching it back. He has got a really, really good knack for mixing different usages of words and uh, when he's describing things. i got to give him props. It was really fun to hear that. Now, uh, last thing for me, going back to Retzloff for a minute. The final fumble. On that play, if you watch it develop, he thought he saw a guy open. He wasn't necessarily uh, completely open, but he's got to trust his eyes and decide, you know what, I'm firing in there. He's got to know that it looks like uh, there's going to be a backside potential of pressure there. That's exactly what Billy Stutzman did coming off the backside and strips it out. If you watch Retzloff, he wants to throw it, but he double clutches and bring it, brings it back down, and you cannot wait that long on plays like that, and he gets it stripped out. Yet again, it'll be it's a lesson that he will learn. This is a kid who has got all of the tools it feels like to me. Now, I'm an amateur analyst. Let me be very clear about this, but there's a reason why I see what Aaron Roderick saw in this kid and wanted him at BYU. So the hope is that Jake Retzloff will learn from the mistakes in this game, clean them up, and have an even better performance on the road against Oklahoma State. The nice part is BYU put him out there against West Virginia to get him a real good look at playing on the road at West Virginia. So going to uh, going to Oklahoma State, going to Stillwater and playing out there won't necessarily, I think, uh, I, I guess, affect him. It should not affect him, I guess I should say. And we'll see how it all goes. But uh, those are my lessons learned. So uh, hopefully you guys learned something along with me after I rewatched this game. But it's just it's a tough loss for BYU because they were so close. They were like It, it just felt like had they – I'm, I'm just – this is revisionist history. This is personal opinion on the matter. If he hands off that ball uh, to uh, to um, uh, Aiden Robbins, speaking of Jake Retzloff, and he punches in that touchdown and BYU finally takes a lead in this game – I've got a sneaking suspicion that BYU would have just been ready to roll and could have hung on for that victory. You just needed to take that uh, lead, and I I just think BYU would have gotten the job done. But nonetheless, it it appears that they will uh, take their lessons learned and try to improve them this week when they go to Oklahoma State, and we'll continue to break that down 
all week long. All right. Uh, one potential addition to BYU's defense next year and beyond is a kid by the name of Blake Lowe. He committed to BYU yesterday. He was on an official visit over the weekend uh, watching BYU play. He decided to pull the trigger and commit to BYU. Who is Blake Lowe? We'll give you a little bit of insight on that and also catch up on everything else ha- that happened over the weekend in BYU sports as we continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. A word real quick on our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, have fun this NFL season with our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Simply put, it's $150 if your team wins. Seems simple enough, my friends, I, I would imagine. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. And the best part is the app is super simple to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. You can have some fun with BYU and Oklahoma State this weekend. As I mentioned, they open up as a 17-point underdog on the road in Stillwater. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and have some fun this NFL and college football season with our friends at FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Hope you guys are having a fantastic Monday when you guys hear this. All right, a couple of notes before we go on today's show. Is congratulations to Blake Lowe. He announced his commitment to BYU yesterday. Uh, play safety for Chaparral High School down in Temecula, California. He is a member of the 2024 recruiting class. Uh, I, watching his film, I got the the feeling that he, if he uh, bulks up a little bit, I think it's very likely he ends up as a linebacker for BYU at the next level. But he's got great size, folks. Six foot three, two hundred pounds according to his huddle highlights and he's got the ability to really track the ball in the air but at the same time he's not afraid to come downhill and make tackles as a safety for his high school football program it's really fun to watch him do his thing because he's got the ability to affect the game in multiple ways it's not a kid who's just a, a single just a ball hawk and uh, he has the ability like I said he's not afraid to come up and make tackles in space coming downhill he's got the ability to play out in space so I really liked what I, I saw from him on this he's got a couple other power five offers including Arizona on uh, on the board, I believe uh, BYU obviously uh, garners his commitment. Uh, Utah was on the list, but I don't think they no, they did not offer him. Speaking of Utah, but Washington State did. That's the other Power Five offer that he had. But he is a member of the 2024 recruiting class, and I think it's a, it's a piece that BYU can use. He's a mid-tier three-star prospect for 24/7 Sports, so he's not necessarily like a world beater in terms of uh, being a star on the gridiron. But I think he's got the ability, like I said, to come in and uh, develop nicely for BYU. If you remains at safety, so be it, but his frame and the way he plays screams to me like he potentially moves up to linebacker for BYU at the next level, but he's a rangy athlete, runs track, I thought I saw, yeah, I saw that he runs a sub uh, 12 second 100 meter dash, it's not burning by any means, but it's still plenty fast enough, also runs a 200 meter, so he's a, he's a sprinter, uh, knows what to do with his speed on the football field, and he plays like it, so uh, congratulations to Blake Lowe. Uh, I'm going to start, I think, coming up in the month of December as we get ready for the early signing window. I'm going to try and get in contact with some of these guys and get them on the podcast. So stay tuned for that. We'll obviously uh, do that and obviously be sponsored by our friends over at LinkedIn. All right, a couple of the notes before we go on today's show is the weekend review. BYU men's basketball got a big win over Morgan State. Their third win of 40 points or more this season as they crush uh, Morgan State 93-50. to uh, Fun to watch BYU run away with this one. Jackson Robinson and Fuseni Traore combined for 36 six points as they led BYU in the win. Uh, the Cougars are rolling right now, folks. We'll see if they're ranked in the top 25. The poll comes out today, Monday. Uh, they got some votes last week, obviously off the back of the win over San Diego State, the upset win. They have two big games this week. They'll face Arizona State on Thanksgiving night in Las Vegas and then uh, uh, face the winner of the other game down there in Las Vegas on Friday. Big opportunities, but will they be nationally ranked going into that? We'll find out. I don't think they will. I think they'll still be just on the outside of the top 25, but 
Cougars are pummeling their opponents so far this year. As I mentioned, outside of San Diego State, they've won by 40-plus in all their other games. So we'll see what happens against Arizona State. That'll be Thursday at 10 o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, prayers for you guys on the East Coast who might be uh, out doing some Black Friday shopping at midnight Eastern time because that's when that's going to tip off. And then on Friday, they'll face either NC State or Vanderbilt. It's two big opportunities for two uh, name opponent victories if you can win both of those down in Las Vegas. Also, uh, BYU women's basketball was over in the islands there in Hawaii uh, over the weekend. They'll have to play tomorrow as well, but they got a big win over Wake Forest, winning 67 to 44 in the Hawaii North Shore Showcase event at the George Q. Cannon Activity Center on the campus of BYU Hawaii. Amari Whiting, uh, uh, Kaylee Smiler, and Lauren Gus combined for 41 of BYU's 67 points in the 23-point win. Uh, they shot a blistering 64% while also uh, contributing 29 of the 50 rebounds, 6 of the 14 assists, and 3 of 8 steals uh, to BYU's cause. So Big trio there with a really, really nice uh, showing. And then Kaylee Wollston led BYU in scoring with 18 points, going 7 to 10 from the field and 4 to 6 from 3. So good win for BYU. They are back in action tomorrow as they will take on uh, the St. Louis Billikins. They'll be at 3 o'clock Hawaii time, 6 o'clock Mountain time tomorrow evening. Uh, BYU women's soccer rolled past Michigan State 3-1 to punch their ticket to the Elite 8. They will face longtime uh, NCAA tournament nemesis North Carolina in the next round. But the good news is on this one, North Carolina is coming to Provo uh, to take on BYU with, as BYU is the number one seed. If you win that, you're on to the national semifinals and a chance to play for the College Cup. So uh, best of luck to BYU women's soccer. It'll be really fun to see them continue to make the run here. They look very much the part right now. That's the fun part about this. Uh, it'll be at 6 o'clock on Friday against North Carolina and will be on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, there are apparently some tickets still available. Go to BYUtickets.com. I imagine that will sell out very, very quickly. And then the final note over the week, Weekend is BYU had a tough weekend at the national championships on the women's side of things in cross country. Uh, finished 14th place as a team, so a tough showing for BYU women's cross country, who was ranked number three in the country coming into that meet. So a uh, tough showing for Diljeet Taylor and her program. Uh, Aubrey Frethenway did finish 14th to earn All American honors, so congratulations to her. But really, really tough uh, scoring otherwise for BYU. But on the men's side of things, uh, they earned third place and obviously finished on the podium uh, there with two Americans, uh, All Americans, earning All American status for BYU in their showing at the uh, 2023 NCAA Division I Championships. Those All-American performances belong to James Corrigan and Kenneth Rooks, so congratulations uh, to both of them on those All-American status. The quote from Ed Eisman said, I don't think I've ever been more proud of a team performance, particularly a team who has faced some adversity over the course of the season with injuries like we've had. Quite frankly, the best we could have done was third place, and my guys really put it together. We were bound and determined to dig in our heels and hold on tight for that third place. I am super pleased with everybody, unquote. So congratulations to the men's team. Uh, tough showing for women's uh, cross country, but knowing what I know of Coach uh, Taylor, speaking of Diljeet Taylor, she'll have the women's team uh, rounded back into shape in a very, very short time frame. So there you go. You guys are up to speed on everything I got for you guys on a Monday edition of the show. Hope you guys are having a fantastic Monday. It's Thanksgiving week, so a heads up that we will be doing uh, uh, shows tomorrow and Wednesday, take Thursday off, but we will be back on Black Friday with an addition, get you re- getting you ready for BYU and Oklahoma State on Saturday. So uh, four editions uh, during the week this week. We'll take Thanksgiving off and allow you guys to enjoy some time with your family, no matter uh, how much you may or may not want to do that. All right, uh, we will sign off for now. But a big thank you once again for your support of the podcast, as always. Uh, thank you for being everydayers. Thank you for making it your first listen of the day. And, of course, hope you guys have a fantastic Monday whenever you watch and or hear this. We will talk to you guys again soon. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See you.